Amen. Please do take a seat. Uh, I'm Tracy. I'm the minister here. And um, I'm very excited about this current series that we're doing, looking at if your money could talk to you, what would it say? And if you kind of go like that inside, I think God is perhaps talking to you through this service, uh, through these uh, series that we're doing. Because if you feel a tension inside of you at all, when, money, when people are talking to you about money, whether it's here now or whether it's at home with friends at work, I would say God wants to work on your relationship with money because money should not be a taboo subject. Um, before we go any further, we're going to play a clip. Some of you who were here last week saw it, but I thought it was that good. We can play it again. So Matthew, if we could play it, that would be wonderful to set the scene. Steve, advice on money, do they? Not everybody likes to talk about money. So I wonder if I share a few jokes with you, does that make talking about money a bit easier? These are for you, Sam. So money isn't everything, but it definitely keeps you in touch with your children. Those with children laughed at that one. Why did the man put his money in the freezer? Because he wanted cold, hard cash. <laughs> Why did the little boy eat his cash? It was his dinner money. Oh, so there we go. How exciting is that? Yeah. So we're continuing with this series. Um, does your relationship with money need to be looked at. If your money could talk to you, what would it say? And more importantly, what does God want to say to you about how you use, spend, save, give, don't give, don't save your money? But Jesus, it just wasn't a taboo subject. And as the uh, clip showed, over 800 verses in the Bible about money. Jesus had more to say about money and our relationship with it, because that's the key thing, than on any other subject. So that's why it's important that we talk about it and we don't let it be a thing for us. Last week, we um, started to, Jane introduced it to us and talked about, about the life. Uh, how does your life have meaning? And does it evolve around money? Is it um, something that you kind of regret, have issues about? Most of us do. Were you ever taught how to look after your money and save and give and those types of things? Uh, these are some of the things that can impact how we are with adults as money. But what is the meaning of your life? Is it around how much money you can have, how much you don't have? Does it take up all your time thinking about it? All of those types of things. Most importantly, we want to be thinking about if we have a bad relationship with money, if we can't talk about it, if it is a taboo subject, if it's something actually we need to be better at managing, we want to use the kind of exp the American expression, flip the script. We want to change the way you are with your money if you are willing to allow God to come in and give you his wisdom on how you might manage things a little bit different. So the question again is, does what your, if your money could talk to you and it had something to say, would it match with some of those verses that we've just looked at from the Bible? Does it align with what Jesus did? Do you feel that the way you manage your money is in alignment with what God or Jesus would say? In this country, so this is just England, just England, 
this was a, take a survey done at the end of December last year. There were 8.3 million people in debt in England. You know, significant debt that they, not mortgages, other debt. And 22% of the adult population have less than £100 in savings. So it kind of gives us a bit of a, uh, a picture right now of where the country is with the kind of um, uh, attitude and aspects to money. And some of that might be for a whole lots of other reasons. I'm not being critical or just, I'm just saying those are some of the facts that tells us a little bit about our relationship uh, with money in this particular country. So the kind of question is, who's the master of the money that, you ha that comes into your life? Is money the master or are you the master? Is God the master or is money the master? Those are the things that I hope are starting to go through um, your mind. So a question for you to think, to kind of hit hard um, home about this is what would be worse for you? Would it be having no money at all or the concept of there is no heaven? And or there's no God? Or what does all this, what, you know, as I say, think about your emotions and your gut feeling at the moment. Is that something that kind of sets something off inside of you? The fear of opening your wallet, your bank account, all your money is gone, you've lost your job, you've got no money. Does that have more impact on your emotions than thinking about if there's no God and there is no heaven? And I think you know what I'm getting to there and what might be the right way round of all of this. Now, the thing is, if you're a Christian, then this is really important because it was a big part of what Jesus was saying. If you're a believer in Jesus, then you want to be able to follow him because that's what we sign up to. If you've been baptized and you want to follow him, then understanding what Jesus says is part of the deal. So if you're not a Christian, um, then that's fine. You don't have to listen to what I'm going to say today because you're off the hook. But that's not the point. The point is, is if you are interested to know where some of the good wisdom comes about money, then you will find it in the Christian Bible. So maybe you do want to listen and not switch off and go on to Facebook or something like that. So if money could talk to you, what would it say? The one thing we do know is that money never, prom it never keeps up with its promises. It never delivers what it says it would do. We always have this concept, won't, don't we, of if I just had a bit more, if I had money for that, if I had money for this and this and that, and then things would be okay. And you get the money for this and you get the money for that. And actually, life isn't okay. It doesn't get resolved. Money will promise you all sorts of things but it will never live up to those promises. And you will always want more. That's the thing. And the key thing here is, is that God knows this about money. Jesus knows this about money, which is why he said the most things about it. And it has the potential to really get in the way and muck up your relationship with God. And that's why Jesus is passionate about it. And that's why I want us to talk about it. And for it to not to be a taboo subject. It needs to be something where you, you know, where God is in control. If you want to live wisely and know where you're going with it, then you need to be able to just trust God with it because your relationship with money is going to severely impact your relationship with God. So my next question to get you thinking about it is what's going to be the legacy of your life. How you spend your money is going to be a legacy of your life, what you've done with it. 
how you've lived with it. That will say something about it. Maybe the pressures that you are feeling now says a bit about your life now. But what is the lasting legacy at your funeral I've said this before and I'm sorry if it offends people but if you're at your if you were at your own funeral what would you want people to say about you yeah is it about you know your character the things that you did the way in which you served and helped people or well they were really rich or they spent all their money or they were rubbish with money all those kinds of things so what's the legacy of your life and how does money fit in with that don't let it drive the legacy of your life let it be a part of who you not are not driving about it and again you've heard me say this before but I think it's really important when we're looking about money two percent only two percent of the world's population uh, have a house with a door a toilet a micro uh, microwave um, uh, li- in the world and food in the cupboard. Only 2% of the world population live like that. So I'm having a, uh, going out on a limb here. I would guess for the most of us, we're in that 2%. And how rich are we? So much so that over 50% of the world's population will have no understanding of the pressures that we face around money because they just don't understand it. That's not a world that they live in And so they would think we were crazy if we started to talk about our financial pressures and worries and concerns with what we have. So we are immensely blessed, aren't we? And that's the lie and the trick of money, is it wants us to think that we're not and that we had have, we need more of it. So what can we find out about what God and Jesus will say about money? Because if you're a Christian, then how you manage your finances is really, really important. And we find this in the book of Galatians. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature uh, desires or craves. Paul, who wrote this, as you know, is one of the very first Christians um, uh, in the first century. But actually, he started his life wanting to kill all Christians. In his, uh, you know, when he, before he became a Christian, he was out wanting to kill them, wanting to be rid of them. And he met God in a powerful way. Jesus came to him. The resurrected Jesus came to him and his life changed. And he learned God's word. He applied what he knew from what we now call the Old Testament and wanted to put it into life, having received the grace and mercy of God. And he went round the whole of what we know as the Mediterranean, setting up churches, telling people about the goodness of God and how they might live their lives. And he says, and when you allow the Holy Spirit, when you allow God to come in and help you make decisions, then you will make the right decisions. When you base it on your own decisions, guess what? You're most likely to make a few duff ones here and there. When you let the Holy Spirit guide you in all your decision making, then you will make good decisions, not ones based on our desires of what we want to have. So it's really important that we, if we're going to be a Christian, that we follow what God is saying. He's going to nudge us. He's going to talk to your conscience. And some people, it is that feeling in your head. It might be that feeling in your stomach. It might just be you just generally feel uncomfortable. Whatever it is, I would say to you, that is the Holy Spirit talking to you. And you need to be able to listen to him. Because when you do listen to him, when you do listen to that nudge, 
we hear this in the saying, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, which is the one maybe more important around money. But money can bring you joy. Money can bring you peace. But when we listen to the Holy Spirit, he will give us the self-control that we need over our money. This is the Christian life. If you want to follow Jesus, this is what's on offer. And when you see people who have been Christians a long time, you can see that because of this in their life. Well, that's what we should be looking for. The fruits of the Spirit are these in people's lives. That's what we want to be looking for uh, as we grow older. So if, if you haven't got joy in your life, people, if you've not got peace in your life, then you probably want to be listening to the Holy Spirit a bit more on what he's got to say. Jane touched on this a bit last week, and that is you cannot serve two masters. If money is going to control you, then that's, that's your master. Or God, who's it going to be? You cannot have both. In the same way, if anger is your master, if an addiction is your master, you can't have two. It's either God or something else. And I want to go into this in a little bit deeper now. This is the real crux of it, is who is in charge of your life? Who is going to be the boss of you and enable some of the decisions that you are wanting uh, to be making? Jesus knows that money is going to be the chief competitor. The biggest thing that most people were going to have an issue with is going to be money. What's going to take us away from God? Our attitude to money, our desire for money. So money in itself isn't evil. It's a necessity of part of our life, but it's our relationship with it and how we let it control or not control our life. It is the issue. So Jesus knew this was one of those things that was going to have a call on your life and the things that would make it uh, make or break you as you go through. Now, it might not just be money itself. It might not be about hoarding money or not sharing money. It might be the things that money buys. You know, it might be if you've got addictions to things. It might be not being responsible with how you spend money. So money in itself is, the, is about having our attitude to it. As we looked up in the clip, we can find out and see that we, can, we, can, we might be happier to say, God, can you forgive me? God, can you help me with this? God, can you save my family? God, I've just got these friends who I really want to lift up to you. They've got this issue going on. And we can pray in all of these things. But how often have you prayed, God, will you help me with my money? God, will you guide me with your money? So sometimes it's these intangible things that become easier to trust God with than our money. Because we think, well, no, our money is this. Well, the thing is, money is from the world. Money is not something that God has put into our lives like people and friends and love and joy and peace. Money is part of the world where the kingdom of God and the earthly world are going to collide and intersect. And we need to be able to be good stewards of it. We need to be able to work well within it. And that's the choice that we have here. Are you going to be living in the kingdom of God? Or are you going to be living in the kingdom of the world? Who is going to be your master? Who is leading you 
uh, into some of your decisions around it. And I think ultimately it comes down to this, doesn't it? Who do you trust with your money? Can you trust God to help you with your money? And I think a lot of it comes down to, are we prepared to surrender and allow God in and take full control of our lives? I don't know all of the things that have happened to you in your particular life. And my point of kind of really getting to that, actually, I need to surrender in this area to money, uh, was, was actually not that long ago. Um, and it was all to do with going to college. Because in my first marriage, money had been a big issue. I was left with um, some debts and some money, not bills not being paid. And suddenly on my own with sort of two children, and I needed to cover all those things. And so that was it. I thought, I am never, ever going to trust anybody with money again. I am going to be so financially independent. Nobody um, is going to affect this. And even when Steve and I first got married, my second marriage, I, there was no way we have a joint bank account. No way that was going to happen. I just couldn't trust, not that I couldn't trust Steve, but I just couldn't trust another person to share my income and my money with. And it took me a long time to be able to have a, a bank account to tell you the story of, of traveling, then when God called me to go to ministry college, to Spurgeon's, and I wouldn't be earning any money. <laughs> I'm actually paying to go to college. That was a really part of the decision for me is, was because actually I just had to trust God with our money. By that time, I was quite happy to have joint bank accounts, Steve to pay for everything, and I'd have some of his money. That was all fine. I did that journey quite well. <laughs> and I'm there now. It's fine. And part of the journey was being in that first year um, at college and I was working at Cosham and some of the bills were starting to come in and we were just scraping bills and then we had a few things, you know, when it all goes wrong, when everything, you know, uh, I think it was our cats, so sorry, it was pets, it was the cat's teeth needed doing, something else needed to be done, the car broke and it was just a number of bills and I was just like, God, okay, you've asked me to surrender. You've asked me to trust you. I'm just, you know, I really need you here because I just can't work this out. And I really don't want to put this on a credit card, but I'm thinking that's what I'm, we're going to have to do. And I was praying this prayer as I walked into church. I was going into um, a team meeting, and they were, we were all sitting there. And uh, towards the end of the team meeting, they went, Tracy, when you were on holiday last week, we decided to have a collection for you. Here is some money, and it covered all of those bills. <laughs> you know, and that, and until you surrender like that to God, you don't see Him at work in your life. You know, if I'd have just gone and put it on the credit card, if I'd done all those things, then we don't see Him at work, do we? That's what's important. And uh, another similar story where you see God step in um, about the second or third time we were going to India. Oh, Gary and Sarah, you know them, don't you, Gary? Uh, and Sarah, Sarah said she really felt a calling to go. Uh, Gary was in the same situation, not earning money at college. He had a family and, you know, three children. And she said, I just really feel like a calling to go. And I'm like, well, I believe in God. He's going to meet our needs and everything. So, yeah, come up. We bought a plane ticket for her and she hadn't paid a penny towards it all. But we brought the ticket and it was all getting closer and closer and closer to when she was going to come uh, till we had to go. And I just went, Sarah, it's all getting really complicated now because we, you know, we've lent this money to you and we don't know quite what we're going to do. And she went, yeah, I know. I just don't know what to do. I don't know. I've been praying and praying. So maybe I should put an appeal out. Maybe I should do something or other. And we were like talking about what we might do. Anyway, this was about 10, 11 o'clock in the day. In the, 
evening, she phoned me and said, I've just got home and there's a cheque that's been sent to me to pay for my trip to India. And it was literally within days of us going to India. You know, what does that do to their faith? Well, look at them now. They're in Mallorca serving God and really stepping out in faith and doing good. So when he says, test me in these things, this is what it's about, is you will feel tested. (laughs) You will feel uncomfortable when we want to step out and do things to God. But when you surrender and say, God, I'm going to make you in charge of my money. I want to do what you say. I want to follow what you've got to say. Then you see him at work. And it might not make sense to the world. And it might feel uncomfortable to you. I've done that journey, so I know. Giving to the church, giving 10%, giving 15%, but what is all that about? I've done that journey, and I know. But all I could encourage you to do is start it, try it. Pick a percentage, start giving. And see what God does in your life. Because that saying from Micah is so, so important. Test me in these things because I will open the floodgates of heaven for you. You will see what he has to offer for you when you trust God and when you take his advice on all the things that he is going to do. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. This is what I mean about you have to choose what kingdom you're going to live in. Are you going to live in the kingdom of God or are you going to live in the world? You cannot have one foot in one and one foot in the other. You may think you can and fool yourself that you can, but you cannot. You cannot have two masters. So seek the kingdom of God. When you seek God, when you seek the kingdom, then you get to see what God has to offer you. Then you get to see his miracles happen and amazing things happen. That's why we wanted to show you that clip from J. John today um, because he is an international speaker. He does um, has got such an anointing for around evangelism. It may not be your cup of tea. It may not be something you want to go and listen to cats being flung around, um, that kind of thing. But you don't know the impact of somebody else listening to somebody who's very gifted in sharing the gospel. So can I encourage you to think about going? Can I encourage you to think about taking a friend? The whole idea is just one. If just one Christian took just one friend for just one night, what difference would that make? So it's at the Guildhall. It's on a Saturday and a Sunday night. There's five pounds. If you can't pay the five pounds, come and see to us. We'll sort that out for you. But have a think about who can I take? And actually, maybe I just need to go. Maybe I need to go and listen to some of that. Um, we're, this is only the third one that J. John has done. Um, the last, well, he's done one in Emirates, he's done one in Gillingham uh, stadiums. Um, Portsmouth Football Stadium wasn't available, that's why it's in the Guildhall. So it's a real opportunity to go and hear the gospel in a fresh way and in an entertaining way. So if you've been one of those people who Bible bashed your friends and they really hate listening about God from you and they're so bored of it, why not take them to this? Because this is a fresh way of hearing the gospel and seeing, and most importantly, how it's relevant for our lives today. Why it's so important that we follow today. When we think about all the mixed up things that we've got ourselves into, if only someone had told us earlier that there was a way out of this, if only somebody had shown us that God has advice for our lives today. And the important thing to remember in all of this is God doesn't want your money 
It's not that he's saying, give it to me, I want that. I can do better things with that. The reason why he speaks about the money is this relationship issue. What's your relationship? He wants you to be seeking the kingdom first, seeking him. So it's not about, oh, I must give all my money to the church or other Christian charities. That's not what it's about. God is asking you to seek the kingdom. Think about the world the, the, the world and what it has to offer and what God's kingdom has to offer him or offer you instead. He promises that he will give you everything that you need when we follow him, when we make his kingdom and him a priority. You'll be familiar with the passage in Mark 4, in Mark 6 perhaps, where James and John are, they're with Jesus and they're going into Jerusalem for the Passover. Jesus knows that he's now in his final days. He knows that things are about to change. He is seeking God's kingdom. What's God's will for his life? And they're going along and the disciples are only really interested in the fact that they're going to triumphantly go into Jerusalem. And they pull Jesus aside, James and John, they pull Jesus aside. They say, Jesus, come with me. You know, we know you're king, right? We've got that bit. We've got that sussed. We know who you are. But can we have the next best slot? Can we be your number twos? Can we sit on your right hand? How about that if I sit here and John sits there? Can we be that people for you? We want to be above everybody else. And in most uh, translations of the Bible, it says that when the other disciples heard that James and John had had this conversation with Jesus, don't know who told them, that they were indignant. Indignant is the word that is used. And I love that word because they were like, what? How many of them were thinking, damn it, I wish I'd asked him first. But that's not the point. The point is God says, Jesus says to them, that's the world environment. That's the world kingdom where you're this hierarchy of who's on the top and who's got everything and all the resources and the money and all of those things. He says that you've got it all wrong. That's not what God's kingdom is about. God is number one. I don't even know my place in it is what Jesus says. But God is first and the rest of us are the same. So if we're going to be Christians, we need to get that into our heads that God is first. Seek his kingdom and everything else will sort itself out. You can't have both. You can't have a worldly view and a Christian view. You can't be going, well, okay, I can do all these things. I can pray. I can be righteous. I can do my daily disciplines. I can come to church regularly. But when it comes to money, I'm going to be just like everybody else in the world. That doesn't happen. And God is saying, well, when you can follow what the kingdom is saying about money, then... Everything you need, everything you've ever wanted, if it's in God's will, you will find. So we're saying what we want is to flip the script on how you deal with your money. This is the world view. Live, save, give. I want to do what I want to do. If I've got some left for saving, I will. And then maybe if I've got a little bit left over, I'll give a little bit. And what God is saying is actually flip it. Why not start with giving first? Make giving a priority. God's kingdom and what he's asking you to do with it, make that first. Don't have the me first culture, have the Jesus first culture. Then save some and then what you've got left, live on. We took our young person um, for uh, a view around a potential work experience the other week and um, the guy who was running, it was probably in his 60s or something, and he was saying, 
Well, when I started work, this is what happened. That my, I had 14 pounds and I was five pounds I had to give to my mum for living, five pounds my dad made me save and I had the rest to live on. And, and I, were, you know, I was sort of staring at him, he must have thought it was a bit weird because I just thought, wow, how fortunate were you that somebody trained you what to do with your money? Um, you know, and I was working out, you know, that was about 70% of his income was taken away, you know, in terms of five pounds for, I can see you doing the maths, I think it's right, Mark, <laughs> five pounds, you know, to, for his keep, five pounds for savings, about 70%, and then the rest of it, 30% of it, he could then do what he wants to. Anybody else been taught that? Anybody do that? And I just thought, wow, you know, I wish somebody had told me that when I was growing up, um, a, a sort of something to think about. So, again, you just sort of think, yeah, you know, these are life skills, aren't they? Who teaches you about money? Who have you learned from? And if it's, not from the, if it's not from Jesus, if it's not from the Bible, that might be something that you um, can address. So, as we bring it to a close, my question is, is it better to tell your money uh, where to go, i.e. what you're going to give, what you're going to save, than to look at the end of the month and go, well, where did all my money go? So my challenge to you is, as we, as we continue with this, next week we'll be ending this series, um, so come back next week and find out the rest of it, is um, why not take a challenge for two months? Why not think to yourself, if this is a new concept to you, and for those of you who do this amazingly, then thank you, bless you, thank you for bearing with us, but why not say, actually, I'm going to pick a percentage, I'm going to think about somebody I'm going to give the money to, and I'm going to do that, and I am going to test God in this. That's the invitation that we read about in Malachi, and see what God does. Because I'm confident, I wouldn't be setting this challenge here if I wasn't confident that you would see God move and work in your life. So have a think. Whose kingdom are you listening to? What world are your finances operating in? And what do you want to be the legacy of your life? Shall we pray?